This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. One week after the political universe was turned upside down by a rejection of critical race theory, Democrats have never heard of critical race theory. There's no such thing as critical race theory. What's critical race theory? I know nothing about this critical race theory. The real ominous thing is that critical race theory, which isn't real, turned the suburbs 15 points to the Trump insurrection-endorsed Republican. Critical yeah. race theory is not taught K through 12. Let me yeah. say it. I can yeah. say it in Spanish, too, if you need yeah. to. Critical race theory that is not taught in public schools in Virginia. Your sixth grader is not being taught critical race theory. Your college uh, student is not being taught critical race theory. Okay, it's not critical race theory. Uh, we're not going to call it that. It's woke race baiting garbage that is pushed by people who subscribe to critical race theory. You see how they're getting around this? Oh, there's technically no class in critical race theory. Yes, we're pushing these crazy books, these crazy woke books, and the 1619 Project, which is critical race theory, that America is rotten to the core and that racism is our original sin and it pervades every institution that we have. But we don't call it critical race theory. It's pretty wild how they're trying to deny, deny, deny. But we know the truth. It's kind of amusing. They tried to uh, call out Senator Scott from Florida on CNN. No critical race theory, none whatsoever. Watch what happened. Parents know it's been, their kids are being indoctrinated with critical race theory in Virginia. And the Democrats wanted to deny it. I mean, and so well, it's the not parents in the curriculum. showed up because they don't like being it's, lied I mean, to. Just, just to be clear, it's not, it's not in the curriculum um, in Virginia. Uh, just, oh, just to oh, be... Oh, Brian, would you like me to... Here, let me just read you a few things. Just to... In 2015, while Terry McAuliffe was governor, the Virginia Department of Education promoted incorporating a critical race theory lens in education. You can still find it on the Department of Education's website. still there. In February uh, 2019, a superintendent memo for the Virginia the, Department of Education promoted Senator, critical race theory and not, the idea of white fragility. It's not... It's not... I heard it yesterday. I just want to be clear. Okay, the, Senator, the I just Virginia have to be clear. Department of Education not... promoted critical race theory, and, and Terry McAuliffe said they didn't. I hope okay, Democrats listen, keep doing that all Senator, across the country. Fine. Uh, it's not part of the curriculum. I would like to move on with you. <laughs> I would like to move on because I'm losing and I don't know what I'm talking about. And uh, the senator, who's also been a governor, uh, must be wrong because somebody wrote it on my card. Um, critical race theory uh, has pervaded public education, whether they like it or not, and we don't like it, and we're pushing back, and it's pretty awesome. By the way, uh, one of the reasons why we push back against critical race theory, it is a great big waste of time. It's a silly conversation about race to avoid having an important conversation about race. Please stop! Stop right out! Hey, show me your 
Like 13-year-old kids running around Chicago at 3 in the morning and getting shot. Uh, the Toledo case, you may remember. And a horrible, horrible uh, situation. Kid running around <laughs> way after midnight. Another young girl. So many. One of hundreds. Uh, this is happening all the time, all the time. It breaks my heart. I'm sure it breaks your heart. And actually, the McDonald's CEO, McDonald's, home of the Big Mac, Chris Kemzinski, it breaks his heart. You know, uh, McDonald's is actually headquartered in Chicago, so he has a relationship with the mayor of Chicago. And amid all of this violence committed often by children against children, he sent a message to the mayor. Tragic shootings in the last week. This is back in April, but it's still relevant. Both at our restaurant, McDonald's, yesterday and with Adam Toledo, with both the parents failed those kids, which I know is something you can say even harder to fix. Interesting. Now, she replies, everything's all well and good. Thank you for your kind words, uh, offering support. This must have been traumatic because one of the shootings happened at their restaurant. Um, but the text exchange somehow became public. And uh, guess who's in the wrong here? The McDonald's boss. They're saying that he's, uh, well, they're saying that it's racist, that he's concerned about families. CEO of McDonald's is under fire. Comments made by company CEO Chris Kempsinski about the killings of Adam Toledo and Jaslyn Adams last spring. He wrote with both, the parents failed those kids, which I know is something you can't say. I know Adam Toledo's parents did not fail him. I know Jaslyn Adams' parents did not fail her. And McDonald's, you are the victimized. We're not going to tolerate it anymore. You're not going to take it. This has to stop. Yeah. Yes, a public campaign. They, they, they bought commercials because he wrote a text message in private about his concern that maybe the parents, maybe the parents had a role here. So what is he doing? He's apologizing all over the place inside McDonald's. I am learning from this. I believe that starts with more listening and learning from more people whose life experiences are different from my own. Those comments were wrong, and I'm sorry. It goes on. It's even more abject. I'm sorry I let you down. Are you kidding me? I let myself down. Oh, stop, please. I have, through my background, a very narrow worldview. My comments to Mayor Lightfoot revealed that ignorance. This is what you got to do now. When the mob comes after you, total capitulation and surrender. He said something in private that was true. What was that 13-year-old kid running around in the middle of the night for? Three in the morning. You know, he says maybe the parents are to blame. And he's being canceled for it. Barack Obama was able to say that once in public. And he got elected president for it. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. That's pretty compelling, right? Now, he was hit pretty hard from the left. So Barack Obama, for the large part, stopped talking about that because it was touchy even for him. And I guess he was right in that private text message, the CEO of McDonald's. What did he say again when he talked about the families being responsible, which I know is something you can't say? Well, why not? 
Why not? It's the truth. It's the truth. But as a political and corporate reality, he's more right than wrong, and he's learning that the hard way. Mr. Uh, Kaminsky, is it, uh, boss of uh, McDonald's? I like what you said. You know what? You should own it. You should own it. Take back the apology and make this. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Why not you? Why not me? Barack Obama's not up to it. And by the way, what is Barack Obama up to? And what is he up for? Going around the world, virtue signaling, <laughs> and giving ridiculous speeches full of pablum. But you can tell. He went to uh, Glasgow, Scotland, where the big environmental summit is. Listen, not so much to what he says, but the pauses in between the totally vacuous comments. I mean, talk about a guy who's totally in love with the sound of his own voice, and it's kind of gross. The thing we have going for us is that humanity has done hard things before. I believe we can do hard things again. Yes, the process will be messy. I guarantee you, every victory will be incomplete. We will face more setbacks. Sometimes we will be forced to settle for imperfect compromises because even if they don't achieve everything we want, at least they advance the cause. At least they move the ball down the field. But if we work hard enough for long enough, those partial victories add up. Okay, um, number one, <laughs> is he talking to eighth graders? Uh, we know what a compromise is. And uh, what is up with those pauses? Now, in 52 seconds, he stood around for 24 seconds not saying anything. Imagine if people talk like that. As I wrap up this portion of the show, I think I'll get ready for the next portion of the show. The guy is totally full of himself, and uh, it is kind of gross. Uh, ooh, somebody else is kind of full of himself. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has been missing for almost two weeks. Did you hear about this? So we saw him get a booster shot uh, for COVID on October 27th. And we did not see him again until today. And uh, he came out, didn't really address what happened. It was weird. He talked about Halloween for a long time. I do know this, that people in California don't like what's happening. It's a miracle, and I'm still a little suspicious, that he survived that recall. It's happening all over the state every day every day. And uh, who could ever forget, and it is wild that he survived the recall, that Gavin Newsom was caught in that fancy restaurant when everybody was supposed to be wearing a mask and he's partying and not wearing a mask, right after going around and lecturing everybody about how good he was and how it's everybody's duty to wear a mask. That we direct a statewide order for people to stay at home. That directive goes into force and effect this evening, and we were confident, we are confident, that the people of the state of California 
will abide by it. Please wear face coverings. We are mandating it. Do justice. Protect yourself. Protect your loved ones. Uh, this virus has not gone away. All right. And now he's banging the vaccine drum and people are wondering, hey, did he have an adverse reaction to that booster? You know, it is possible. It does happen in a small number of cases. How about transparency? I always hear Democrats want to be transparent. Where was he really for the past two weeks? The first lady of California, his wife, made matters even more confusing. She got on social media and told everybody, uh, mind your business, uh, stop spreading rumors. But she did nothing to <laughs> answer any of the questions. So uh, who do we have here? Obama, Newsom. Oh, Dr. Fauci. This is a little gem. Dr. Fauci, we all know, has been wrong about COVID every step of the way. He was wrong about AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome in the early 1980s. He was saying stuff that was flat out wrong and probably helped fuel anti-gay prejudice. Listen to this, his expert opinion about AIDS, everything he's about to say is wrong. We may be starting to see, as we're seeing virtually as the months go by, other groups that can be involved and, and seeing it in children is really quite disturbing. When you say other close contact, give me some examples. Well, for example, if, if the close contact of a child is a household contact, perhaps there will be a certain number of cases of individuals who are just living with and in close contact with someone with AIDS or at risk of AIDS who does not necessarily have to have uh, intimate sexual contact or share a needle, but just the ordinary close contact that one sees in normal interpersonal relations. Normal, you can get AIDS just by living in the same house as somebody, which is not true, has never been true. How about that? He was wrong then, he's wrong now. When we come back, Pete Buttigieg, there's already a movie about him. Uh, he is a, an absentee treasury secretary. He was an absentee mayor, but the fake news loves this guy, and we'll get into why. Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All I, All can, I can say, say is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news, news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? <laughs> they don't. They don't. But they really like uh, Mayor Pete, now Secretary Pete Buttigieg, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, they're also very intrigued whenever he says woke race space nonsense like this. I'm still surprised that some people were surprised when I pointed to the fact that uh, if a highway was built for the purpose of di dividing a white and a black neighborhood, or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or there would have been, uh, in New York was, was designed uh, too low for it to pass by, that that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. All right. Now, 
That's actually not true. But what he's doing here is uh, kind of showing off to a certain group out there, media people, that he's read a book called The Power Broker by Robert Carroll about Robert Moses. He was the chairman of the Port Authority here in New York like 70 years ago. Very important, very influential guy who built roads and bridges and helped shape a lot of American infrastructure. Uh, the media, they love this book. Uh, actually, the New York Times noticed when everybody was Zooming from home, you know, all those interviews, behind the reporters and behind the pundits, the, you know, the talking heads, they'd always see that book somewhere on the bookshelf behind these guys. It was one of those books. It's like a thousand pages long. Uh, everybody says they've read it. I think very few actually have. Um, but here's the thing. The book is good. The book is great, actually, but it's not perfect. No book is. And the idea that Robert Moses built the bridges to keep black and Hispanic kids away from the beach, that's actually wrong. He made a mistake. Now, the bridges, this is a rendition back in 1930 or so. You can see it's, it's curved. It would be hard for a truck or a bus to get through there. Let me see another picture. More recently, uh, these are definitely lower bridges uh, prohibitive for commercial traffic, like traffic, like a lot of uh, uh, parkways are. Here's the deal, though: when these bridges were created, <laughs> there were hardly any people of color in New York City. I'd like to show you this quote from uh, New York intellectual and writer Seth Barron. In 1930, New York City was whiter than the state of Maine is today. So the idea that any urban planning measure taken then was racist against black people and Puerto Ricans is preposterous. And let's dig into the numbers. In 1930, when these parkways were going up here in the New York area, in New York City, only 4.73% of the population uh, was African-American. We do not believe that was on his mind when he was creating those bridges. But, hey, it's in the book. Media types love to say they read the book when they really didn't, and they love the way it looks, so they just take it as gospel. Back to Mayor Pete. He's the Secretary of Treasury, living large at the podium, so large that he doesn't even have to come to work. He took three months of paternity leave. And why should he work? I mean, the media, they're just enthralled with this guy. Um, <laughs> you saw what they did during the campaign. Now, no kidding, Amazon has made a movie about him, starring him. I talked about coming out. That was for everybody who's tried to figure out how to be who they are. The challenge, of course, is how do you master the game without it changing you? And now you were looking at that same young man, happily married, asking for your vote for president of the United States. I mean, this guy is just too much, too much. He was um, mayor of South Bend for eight years, but three of those years at least he spent doing things that had nothing to do with South Bend. Uh, the run for president, okay? That took uh, about a year. Let's see. He ran for chief of the Democrat National Committee. He wanted to be the head of the Democrat Party. You have to campaign for that. You have to go all over the country. And then he found that backdoor way into the military. He signed some paperwork. He never went to boot camp or officer candidate school and got himself a desk job at the airport in Afghanistan. This guy is such a careerist. And now that he is in the cabinet, he's transportation secretary. That's a big job. And what does he do? He takes three months off to look after the newborn. Um, 
That's just not right. Now, how does he get away with all this? I mean, why him? Why does he even have a cabinet job? Why would a small town mayor be taken seriously when he runs for president? Quite frankly, it has to do with his orientation, his sexual orientation. And here's proof. You can count it up. The New York Times, The Washington Post, Politico, all of them, they could not stop writing about this guy being gay. You saw it in the movie that he's obviously participating in. Being gay, I mean, it's almost like a full-time job. I could care less. And by the way, the first um, open, out of the closet, if you will, gay person in a presidential cabinet was Rick Grinnell, who served as director of national intelligence under Donald Trump. Uh, I, by the way, don't think he has much in the way of political skill. Watch this little exchange he had in South Carolina when he was still running for president. Can you say to us today in front of all these cameras that black lives matter? Did you just ask me if black lives matter? Yes. Yes. We yes. Hear you black say. lives matter. Of course black lives matter. South Carolina, we saw the limits of his political ability. Uh, they didn't like him. He actually didn't seem to like them too much either. It was a bit of a disaster there in South Carolina. And now we're all seeing, again, the limits of his administrative ability, of his ability to govern. We have a serious supply chain crisis. Look at all those ships off the coast of uh, California. And we have a transportation secretary who is busy making movies and talking about racism in your bridge. We'll be right back with some important information about Louis Farrakhan and the January 6th political prisoners. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. That's January 6th, and the man highlighted, we believe, is Nathan DeGrave. Now, he was arrested about two weeks later, and he's in custody right now in the D.C. jail. He has a slew of charges against him, including assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers. Uh, he's been in custody, but he's actually on the phone with us right now. Uh, Nathan DeGrave uh, from the D.C. jail. Uh, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, Greg Kelly, I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, listen, welcome to Newsmax. And I understand your lawyer, I think, is listening in on the phone. We'll get to that in a moment. I understand. You got some serious charges against you. Is there anything you want to say about them? Uh, I probably should make a comment uh, at this time about those charges. Fair enough. We'll leave it alone. I do understand. And um, that's a lawyer's best advice. So let me ask you this. What's it like where you are right now? You know, Greg Kelly, it's, it's a very depressing environment that we're in. Um, the only thing that I can say other than that is that we do have a com camaraderie in here between each other. Um, we're pretty much like a family. 
Um, so if it wasn't for the support and the love and the patriotism that we have for this country, it would be a lot more unbearable. I mean, we're sitting in solitary confinement uh, for 26 hours every other day. Uh, you're 32 years old. I understand you're uh, uh, you were living in Las Vegas uh, before this, right? Correct. And I want to get into the conditions, and I know they're horrible, but a silver lining here, you've been outlining or you've been thinking about a political career. Are you serious about running for mayor of Las Vegas? Yeah, you know, I, I'm very serious about that, and I think that you know, a lot of people in my position who want to make a change, uh, and I, I recommend that anybody gets involved uh, who has a serious opinion, whether that's joining local committees, uh, writing letters, or running for office, which uh, a few of us in here are actually doing as well. All right. So listen, you've written a letter uh, outlining the uh, horrible conditions on the inside. And by this point, we all know. I mean, we've heard from members of Congress. We've heard from other prisoners like yourself, how bad things are in there. Sir, our time is limited. What would you like to tell the people right now? You know, I think that we should be telling ourselves that we should never again let this happen to another American citizen. I think it's, it's unconstitutional. I think that it's wrong on so many levels. And uh, I hope this, that this never happens to anybody again. When are you due in court? Um, I believe we have a hearing coming up December 5th, and that's going to be to dispute some of the charges uh, that are being held against me. By the way, we have seen video of you, and there are pictures of you. Can you just tell us a little bit? You're wearing um, what looks like armor, body armor. Can you tell us what that was all about, please? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it was a lot of a lot of that is very exaggerated, and it was it was um, it was a costume more than anything else, and. I, you can look it up on Amazon. It was a uh, $30 purchase. Uh, so not body armor by any means. And I think really the optics of that looks far worse than what it actually is. So I've been talking about you guys for a long time. More people are talking about what's happening and what didn't happen on January 6th. Number one, it was not an insurrection. On the inside, are you aware that more people are talking and are aware of your plight? And has that changed anything on the inside? Yeah, you know, we definitely hear talk about that. And when Marjorie Taylor Greene um, showed up and uh, the other day, it was it, it was really it was an emotional experience. I, I tried really hard to fight back tears, and it was just it was really enlightening because you know sometimes we do forget that there. Are, people out there who support us uh, and at least empathize with what we're going through. And it was, um, it really meant a lot to see that and uh, to know that there are people out there who are aware of our situation. Do me a favor. You said the big message you want, this should not happen to any American. And I know there are people inside and there's no evidence that they broke anything or hurt anybody, but they're still in custody. Now, the allegation is that you may have roughed up a cop. I, I know you can't necessarily speak specifically to that. I guess my question is, I mean, you are aware that other Americans are in jail, but let's face it, you guys have been singled out. I mean, that seems quite clear. And everybody feels the same way? Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, Ted Bundy got, got released on bond. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a two-tier justice system that I think that, you know, 
Black Lives Matter and other activist groups can cause far more damage. And you know, look at the the recent protests that happened, uh, I believe it was the Interior Building, when they were protesting climate change. And, you know, several officers were sent to the hospital, and you know, most of these people got a slap on the wrist. Nathan, what can people do who are watching? What would you like folks to do, if anything? You know, like I said, I, I think that really you don't have to wait to, uh, for January 6th or to do anything like that to, to make a change, uh, whether that's, again, it's just speaking out, joining school board meetings, uh, just telling friends and family about what's going on, uh, whether it's running for office. I think that we should, um, as an American people, be more actively involved in the politics of this country. And uh, I think that's the best way moving forward. Nathan, uh, th th those are some long-term things, and uh, that's happening. Actually, do me a favor. Put that Give, Send, Go page up one more time. If you'd like to help out uh, Nathan and, uh, and his, his colleagues in jail, GiveSendGo.com slash DCPOW. Wow, that's, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if your lawyer uh, is on the line there, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Ryan, are you there? Hey, hey, Mr. Kelly, I'm here. How are you? Uh, how are you, sir? Can you tell us a little um, bit more about what's going to happen at that hearing? And, uh, you know, there are there is some video and there seems to have been a scuffle with the police officer. Um, what are you going to ask for when you go to court? You know, we can't go really into depths of what our legal strategy is, so I apologize for that. But one thing we do want to make clear is just the conditions that they are going in, and we need to push to get everyone that is currently detained uh, from the January 6th uh, day to get try to get them out of there. I mean, we have people not receiving medical attention. We have people getting moved out of their cells because there is mold, and the I believe one of the uh, – uh, like the C not the yeah. CDC, but the uh, health board has said, you know, that room is not habitable. We just the biggest thing we need to do right now is work to get every single person out of detention that is currently being held in there. Real quick, uh, back to Nathan. Uh, do you have access to a Bible or a minister or a priest? Are religious services available to the January 6th population? No, we don't. Um, and the majority of the Bibles that are in here are actually ordered from the inmates themselves. And from what I understand, the rest of the jail does get access to religious services, and they get a, a whole variety of additional benefits that we January 6ers do not receive. Has anything changed since uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Congressman Gohmert started, uh, were able to visit the jail? I mean, our conditions, look, I don't want to say the whole world is watching, but more people are watching. Has it gotten any better? Well, what I can say is this. Uh, once they left, uh, it only took a day or so before they started to inspect the cells that were in here. Um, they did mold inspections, and as a result of that, about half of these cells were cleared out. And they started double bunking us, and then the cells that were cleared out were deemed uninhabitable. Yeah. inmates because of the bold. Nathan DeGrave, hang in there. Uh, we want justice to be done, but it doesn't seem like justice being done right now. We all saw what happened during the summer of 2020 and all those people who have already been let out of jail and all the damage they did. This seems ridiculous. This doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem American. I wish you luck, sir. 
please stay in touch. My best to your attorney as well, Nathan DeGrave. Be safe and to be continued. I'll be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Who's in Washington? Do you want your house back? The overall freakout over January 6th continues. That phony committee is still issuing subpoenas for Trump officials and anybody else they can think of. Uh, look at this. Ten more subpoenas have been issued. Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary. Uh, all kinds of people on this list. Some you know, some you don't know. Um, look, obviously, <laughs> they're freaking out, Democrats are, about what happened last Tuesday. This, they think they can still get some mileage out of. The fake news went ballistic this morning. These images that were parading across the grounds on January the 6th, and they're talking about, they have a war room to talk about how to subvert the United States Constitution and throw out an election. My God, this is Belarus. It, it really is. It's just, these, these, look, these guys look like thugs from Belarus trying to, to thwart democracy. Unbelievable that it just seems like you can plot an insurrection and actually go through it and have people on the ground who are your foot soldiers and yet escape all accountability and not seem to be quaking in your boots about a subpoena whatsoever. And I mm -hmm. promise there are a lot of people watching this to see, can we get away with this? Yeah. Can we pull this off? Are they really going to enforce these subpoenas? Because if not, we got away with it. We, you know, we didn't overturn the election, but we got away with at least plotting to overturn the election. Yeah. And if you read the details, you can read it in Costa and Woodward's book about what was going on inside the Willard Hotel. It truly was a war room to plot to overturn an election for president. Oh, it truly was. It truly was because you read it in a book, in a fake news book. Um, they wonder why we don't like them, why people can't stand the media, the smugness, the the overconfidence, and how many times they've been wrong. Russia, 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 Hillary was going to win, and they wonder why we don't believe them now, why we don't believe them now. You know, they actually should be, the way the media are supposed to work, they should be concerned about those in custody right now, the January Sixers. Those are in custody for some minor crimes, some of them, and no bail. And obviously, by now, we all know they're being treated horribly, all the way down to religious freedom. We're hearing that they don't have access. Uh, Christians in the group don't have access to Christian literature and or uh, services. But Louis Farrakhan and his newspaper, it's everywhere in the jail. We're getting this from sources actually inside the jail that they keep pushing uh, Farrakhan's newspaper. Now, he's from the Nation of Islam. Louis Farrakhan himself is a notorious anti-Semite, uh, and this paraphernalia is all over the place. If you want a Bible, that's challenging, but if you want to read the uh, <laughs> Nation of Islam newspaper, here's your copy. Uh, by the way, federal prisons, and this is a federal facility, I believe, they have restrictions. They have restrictions about um, uh, religious freedom. Take a look at this. They're supposed to facilitate your religious belief and do nothing that would possibly thwart it. The institution will not try in any way to change your religious convictions. 
but they will make it harder for you to practice your religious faith. Um, unless you're a Muslim, is that what's happening? We'll be right back with Nigel Farage, one of our favorites, one of Trump's favorites as well. We'll be right back. paper in the UK has figured it out <laughs> what happened to Donald Trump. Trump haters are silent as the plot is exposed. From inside that story, this was promulgated unceasingly by most of the mainstream media for outlets such as the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, and the rest. The only question was how soon this scandal would see Trump rightly ejected from the Oval Office. Well, uh, they actually got that right, in a way. Hey, I want to bring in Nigel Farage, one of our favorites, former Brexit Party leader. Mr. Farage, welcome back. How are you, and how are things in the UK? Well, they're fine, but I must say I agree with you. The Times of London, this was a brilliant article, a great headline, uh, good to see some real truth in mainstream media. And, of course, the Steele dossier, the lies within it, expose several things. Not just the absolute bias of the media, who, after 2016, became the official opposition, not just media reporters, but it also exposed the fact that Steele, with the Clinton campaign's support and help, was the one colluding with Russian agents. It wasn't Donald Trump. Um, and it began the whole Russia hoax. It began, you know... Two years of misery for, for, for Donald Trump personally. He was put through the Mueller inquiry and everything else. I mean, the whole thing was a disgrace. And the blowback across the Atlantic from Steele happened because then they said, ah, wasn't just Trump that worked with the Russians, the Brexit campaign. That was also to do with the Russians. In fact, Hillary Clinton said that I'd personally been financed by the Russians. And we learned this former British agent, Steele, was a conspiracy theorist, a nut job, but working with the Democrats, with mainstream media, and with the Russians. And the time has now come for some retribution. You cannot go around rubbishing Brexit, rubbishing the Trump election. You cannot go around attempting to overturn those Democratic results through lies, through collusion with Russian agents, and not pay a price for it. And I think we're beginning to see some degree of retribution coming in, thank goodness. I'd like to see more, quite frankly. I mean, this Durham report has been moving so slowly, and the names uh, mentioned so far, uh, not exactly the big ones, not Brennan, not Strzok, not Page, but you mentioned Mr. Steele. Here he is uh, a couple of weeks ago standing by his work. Let's go ahead and listen, please. So you stand by the dossier? I stand by the work we did, the sources that we had, and the professionalism which we applied to it. You know, one thing about uh, Steele, he's got that, um, and, and Nigel, you too, but a British accent can fool a lot of people in this country. Um, it probably enhanced whatever trash he was peddling, and we know he had, you know, he's working with other people, but that's, I believe that's part of the situation here. That's why the Steele dossier worked so well for a time it did, was because of Steele, his heir, his voice, and things like that? Well, the British accent is useful in America. I found that over the last 40 years um, in business and politics and media, so I, I understand that. Um, it was also the fact that he worked for the British intelligence services, and that perhaps, you know, added to the luster, 
in a way, of who he was and what he was. But it was wholly untrue. And it led uh, just to, to, to years of terrible friction, uh, the attempt to destabilise a legitimately elected president. I mean, the whole thing's been a disgrace. And the Russia hoax, I think, goes down as one of the grubbiest episodes in our democratic histories. And the price must be paid. Now, you're quite right to say the big names haven't yet been called. But even if, Greg, even if it's moving slowly, if it's going in the right direction, that, I think, is a very good thing. I have a Biden. You know, we get the best insight, interestingly enough, from you in London. Uh, the Biden approval poll. Uh, let's just go ahead and throw it up on the screen, please. Ooh, 37.8 percent. Your thoughts on that. And forgive me, but uh, and I'm not going to mention exactly what bodily function may or may not have been committed by Joe Biden in the presence of uh, Prince Charles's wife. You know what I'm talking about? Apparently he had a... Um, an issue of some kind, uh, something gaseous. And has Camilla been going around telling everybody about it? Well, yes. I mean, um, you know, the whole point of COP26 was that we've had enough of natural gas. Uh, <laughs> we wanted to rely on wind power. Um, and uh, President Biden seemed to break that in every way. This happened in front um, of the Duchess of Cornwall, Prince Charles's wife. And yes, she can't help herself. She's laughing so much about it. Uh, that it's appearing all over the media. Um, so it's really quite funny. Um, it's good to have a laugh, I suppose, occasionally. But the truth of it is, this president, his credibility is shot within 10 months. Those poll ratings are catastrophic. And yet, and here's the really interesting thing, the vice president, her poll ratings are even lower than that. Her poll ratings are the lowest. Any VP has ever been in modern times. And given that I think Biden, Biden will not be president long after the midterms, in my opinion. He's clearly not, you know, just not up to the job. And if you then get Harris stepping in as president, I think there's the real possibility of a Democrat meltdown, of a complete loss of confidence in the party. Um, and people will realize that although Biden got the presidency through mass postal mail-out ballots, actually, the left are in serious trouble. Uh, the silent majority do not want critical race theory taught to their kids. The silent majority do not want American history trashed, do not want statues of former heroes being torn down. Uh, and I think, you know, even though we're all still a bit bitter about what happened yeah. a year ago, on November the 8th, I think there's a lot to look forward to. There's a major conservative resurgence coming. And we saw a, a little speck of that last Tuesday in Virginia, New Jersey, and school board elections. And I, I say this with such passion because the battle we're engaged in here is for the survival of Western civilization. And that battle must be won in America. Because if America falls, we all fall. So I'm feeling a bit more upbeat, a bit more optimistic than I have for some months. Terrific. Terrific. I am. Uh, I'm glad you have such wisdom and perspective. Thank you very much. Nigel Farage, the one and only former Brexit party leader. All kinds of rumors. I don't know about if you know, but uh, that you could be prime minister sooner rather than later. We'll see. Uh, we'll, you we'll see. OK, indeed. Indeed. Nigel, we thank you very much. And I'll be right back.
Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. Okay, thank you very much. Great flag, right? Uh, Stinchfield is next. Great show in store. Thank you. See you tomorrow.